listeners, and welcome to Gadget Brew, the podcast where two friends talk about our two favorite things, fish and beer. Fish and beer. I'm the Lizza. And I'm the kid. And that was Gadget Brew. 12-31-2017. Gadget Brew. I'm joking. I said Gadget Brew. Oh, you got me. That was Gadajaboo. That was the first song, the first time I heard Gadajaboo. Took you a long time to get it. I know, it's sad. But I always love the song. Such a light, throwaway, easy, upbeat, just jammy. This is great. This is at New Year's, right? Yes. Most recent one. New yes. Year's 2017. Yeah. It's a good one. I like it. I enjoy it a lot. Second set? Uh, it was first set. First set? No, it was second set. I lied. Second 14 set. 14-minute second set. It's a good, it's a good slot. Nice. Third song. You know what my problem with this song, though? What? It came out of Fuego, so I had to get through Fuego to get to this song. I love Fuego. I love Fuego. It's just a little cheesy for me. And no, it's not. No? It's so fun live. It's such a fun live song. Yeah? Yeah, it, it unites everyone. Fuego is a crowd uniter because it's got the sing-along parts, the hook parts, and the jammy parts. So it unites an entire stadium or arena's worth of people. Fuego is one of the best songs, and I always love to get it, always. Do you think that's true because of like the newer songs? It's like a, uh, like a crowd, like you said, unifier. Like Everybody can pick it up really quickly. It's like super easy, no matter where you are, to kind of just get the chorus by the end of the song. Because I feel like that's the part you're talking about. Each time we fuego, we keep it rolling. And then you just go rolling <laughs> over and over again. Like, it's a very easy song if you're not experienced in fish to kind of just dive and just feel like you're a part of the crowd. Or you're just saying it's that good because of the way it's constructed. I'm saying that you're bitter and you look at it as a new song and that's already dumb. And I'm saying yeah. that that song, Fuego, mm -hmm. has elements that every single Fish fan, 1, 2, 3.0, any point oh, will like. So it unites the crowd. It's right. one of those songs in a show uh -huh. where you look around the entire arena and every fucking person is into that song. Every single human being in the stadium is into that song. Right. And I'm saying, what I'm asking yeah, you. Yeah, something for everyone. And what I'm saying to you is, do you think that's because... It's easy to figure out. It's not like a puzzle piece where like things I are going on like said this. You stuff. asked me a question after something I already said. Yeah. I said it has the hook. It has the fucking sloppy awesome intro. It's got jammy parts. It's got the sing along chorus parts. It's got every single thing that every fish fan in that place is looking for. It unites the whole crowd. And you're like, holy shit. It's like one of those songs where everyone is like feeling. It's heavy, dude. Fuego's heavy and jammy and great. I love it. And I know, I understand why you're saying you think it's cheesy because I, I understand that. Like, I totally get what you're saying, but. It's very, uh, from a musical perspective, there's a lot of space and it's like very on the downbeat. You know, it's just very like bop your head to it like almost like chris correct. rock like punky correct. like that's 90s. what i'm saying correct like, dun, dun, yeah dun, dun, dun. yeah yeah yeah. that's <laughs> what i'm saying that's but that's what i'm saying what i'm trying to say is i think from a musical perspective that's a little poppy and like pop rock like two force pop rocky for me and it's just repetitive so like i'm not trying to say that's See, not I a bad thing got a jib, jib, 
boo. <laughs> it's your, it's, honestly, you are so is. articulate. If I ever had to get you in a tongue twister, I'd just say, say got a jabru like five times. Gadjaboo is like such a like dirty dancing 1950s. I stand and I do like my sway my hands back and forth. Gadjaboo, gadjaboo. It's like yeah. one of those like happy 50s. But would you not say that? You that know what song I mean? Like is, that's different. That's but that's great. Do you not think Gata Jabru is more textured though? It has more of a texture to it than than Fuego. No, no, no. God, I don't know what you don't like about Fuego, but that's just your loss. I think. I don't know how to describe it to you to make you like it the way I like it. I love that song. It's so goddamn good. It's the I eighth notes. Gata Jabru has eighth notes to fill the space. Uh, Fuego is literally on each head of of the beat so it's a four count uh 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 and got a jabru is mama sing sing because you got a jabru it's like way faster it's chopped up more you subdivide those measures way more so there's a lot more going on so you allow for more uh busy parts yeah it's but more in of a like a samba-y like it's like more of like a, a dancey samba-y type that's how I right and where I was going with this is I think what makes Fuego more approachable is the fact that you're making it slower on the head of the beat and have more space it's very easy to pick up very quickly so if you go to a fish show and you're a brand new person and you're like shit I don't know any of these songs by the third chorus if you can't figure out Fuego you're doing something wrong (laughs) it also builds the song you could argue the song builds you know there's like the sloppy keyboard intro or sloppy piano intro like it builds it builds something good gajibu is just a light fun i'm balloon in the air that's getting bopped around yeah so so let me ask you flying all over i'm feeling good yeah that's like gajibu let me ask fuego is like a fucking epic dramatic it's like it could be like a song in like a play I'm serious. A cheesy play. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, I guess so it can be in a play because plays are cheesy. You heard it here uh. first. <laughs> Trey's done actually uh, composing for a couple of Broadway shows. Mm. I bet that's he has. Cool. Yeah, no, it's cool. Um, I posed you this question. Do you rather have a fish song that has a bunch of different subdivided parts or or would you rather a song that builds to a climax over time? Can it be both? You, it can. Can it be I'm can, both? Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. They're both. I'm, I'm asking you the specific question. Which one would you prefer? I think they're one and the same. Oh, no. That's not fair. I think what you're saying makes <laughs> my mind immediately shoot to you enjoy myself. I just said, would and you rather this or this? And that song is a super crazy, arky, crazy fucking song. But that you can argue that song built. I think yeah. what you're asking me is the same thing. I think it's a trick question. I think they're one and the same. Okay. I think every good, awesome, composed, highly... Uh, what do you call that? Like Composition? Composed. Yeah. Hi- so highly composed piece of music that Fish plays... Uh, is awesome and then it always for me ends up leading to this catharsis but i would argue that the reason why there's such a universality in fish is because the composition is simple enough to grab people who don't understand music and is complex as leaving those who think they know shit about music talking shit on them and then actually listening to the band and being like wow these dudes are doing some musical like amazing things that even again, but that's I, if you I, understand music. So basically what I'm saying is, is that their newer stuff in comparison to their older stuff is a little more approachable and a less, and less complex. 
is what I'm trying to say. I agree. So what I'm trying to get at you by asking you the question that I asked at you is, do you prefer the complexity or do you compare, or do you prefer the approach of like the, uh, the ease of approach by a but song? I like both. And my answer will always be both. But, and that's why like a perfect show to me is like a bunch of old stuff and a bunch of new stuff. I think anybody And you make fun that, of me yeah. saying that you think all the new stuff is cheesy, but it has its place. Like there, there are these light, just like, moments where you want to be enjoying your situation and like the air and the lights and the balloons like there's just i the a successful fish show for me will always be a show from beginning to end where they've delivered to me every single thing i've wanted to feel in that situation and it always ends up being a really good blend between like sing-songy, groupy, bouncing around the room, you know, those type of songs with like the You Enjoy Myself or the heavy jam songs like Ghost or like just the experience overall needs to be. I always look for in a first set for it to be, you know, I don't know. I don't know how many songs, but longer than the second set. Okay. And then for the first set to have all those happy throwaway sample in a jar bouncing all those just like light easy boo 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 songs and then you want your second set to be your heavy fucking like ghost carini is like the big 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 jams okay Uh, and that's that's what makes me happy and if i if 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 a fish show meets that very loose format for me i enjoy it but that's the problem it's so easy to make me happy it hasn't been hitting that format recently Recently, it's been like we have a lot of songs. We have to cram as many of them into two sets as possible. So that's why when we got Jam Night at Baker's Dozen, I flipped my shit because they stuck to five songs in the second set. Like it was, it was insane. They stretched stuff out and they did a bunch of really awesome shit. And they don't really do that as often anymore. So I think what you're talking about in theory would be great. But really, when you're talking about it from a you know someone who sees fish on a regular basis, more than one show, and people go, why do you do that? It's to me to say I'm chasing that experience that we just described. That you know longer first set, jammy second set, awesome encore, send me home with my brain uh, detached from my body. <laughs> but <laughs> that really happens But every single now. person has what they would deem a perfect show. And everyone so is, is fishing show? for everything different. And that's why it's cool because like. Yeah, but what's you, your perfect show? Your favorite song is free, you're st- but you're standing next to somebody who's seen fish since like 1984 when I was born. Yeah. And like when they get a man who stepped into yesterday or a Tila or actually something cave, yeah. rare. No, yeah, yeah. Walls of the Cave is not rare at all. It's usually but the first awesome. set closer. Every, every person who's an old fish fan loves Wall of the, Walls of the Cave. I yeah. love Walls of the Cave. I'm a new fish fan. It. You're totally derailing this conversation. Go ahead, and you're not yeah, listening yeah, yeah. to anything that I'm no, saying. No, no. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And now you've made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> You were talking about like people of like older fish fans and like what they want to hear at a fish show and like what makes a fish show a good fish show, a great fish show. And like the, the formula, the loose structure that you stick to in order Do to Do we make have that the ability to bring up uh, the night before New Year's and New Year's of the last run they played at Madison Square Garden? 
You want to listen list. to... No, I just want you to read the set lists from for the last two nights of the four-night run of MSG Madison Square Garden New Year's Eve 2017. Last New Year's at MSG. So you want the 30th and the 31st, the last two nights? Yes, because okay. I'm trying to prove to you that those two songs were maybe... Those two shows were maybe my favorite shows that I've seen yet. And because it's because I format. went through... Correct. Okay. I've gone through festivals i've gone through baker's dozen i've gone through just seeing them twice you know a very short run i've gone through what i would think is the the gambit of all the formats you can see fish right and yes i'm trying to say that my favorite shows have always been ones that i find highly curated okay and fish doesn't plan their shows so maybe i'm just trying to say that my favorite ones are the ones where they're like feeling it and they're just giving you like fucking powerhouse after powerhouse after powerhouse okay and and i think the last two shows that they've played the last two shows of new year's eve madison square garden were the height of them doing that the okay height of them doing what i'm trying to in 3.0 you're saying even correct. like okay correct. okay cool so we have the first night that you're talking about the 30th arguably 30th. the best night of this run right we were not there we were couch surfing correct read the list uh mike's song i am hydrogen weak tweezer ass handed kill devil falls bathtub gin brother more nine songs in the first set second set is down with disease which is a jam chart worthy song steam which is a jam charts worthy song light farmhouse run like an antelope and then they encore with sleeping monkey and then tweezer reprise so, so farmhouse is the only show. dud in that entire show and some would argue that of all the slow songs to play farmhouse is a welcomed one instead correct. of fucking correct. backwards down the number line correct <laughs> okay so moving on to the new year's night when we were actually there Okay, moving on to the 31st. So the 31st starts with Karini, Susie Greenberg, My Friend, My Friend, Fluffhead, Reba, Poor Heart, 46 Days, Maze, Character Zero. This is going to get a little weird because it's the New Year's Eve night, so there's three sets. So set two is Possum, Fuego, Gata Jabru, which is a jam charts worthy, Golgi Apparatus, What's the Use, You Enjoy Myself. And then going into New Year's, it's Soul Planet in the Old Lang Sign, Free, A Song I Heard the Ocean Sing, Moma Dance, Prince Caspian, Waiting in the Velvet Sea, First Tube, and then the Encore's Loving Cup. Right. Okay, so third set throw away right so look at the, i'm asking the you theme. right it's so i'm asking you to gang. throw away that third set why and just no i'm asking you now to look at the show as the first and middle set oh, okay fine. fine it is it is one of the best curated shows i've ever seen is that because and you got energy, a fluff head into you enjoy no, myself <laughs> no and the energy it was fluff head into what's the use into you enjoy myself and no, the not. energy in that fucking madison square garden was insane First of all, it's Golgi Apparatus and the What's the Use and the You Enjoy Myself. Fluffhead read, was in can the you first read the, set. So read it again. Read them again. So Karini, Susie Greenberg, My Friend, My Friend, into Fluffhead, into Reba, into Poor Heart, 46 Days, Maze, Character Zero. End of set one. Correct. Blow your fucking face it off. It was a good set, yes. Next one. Um, Possum, Fuego, Gata Jabru, Golgi Apparatus, What's the Use, You Enjoy Myself. Golgi and Apparatus was awesome. I had my ticket stub in my hand. You got mad at me because I did Fantastic. It Dude, fucking... <laughs> audience right now is like holy fuck i don't care what they do next uh everything they've done has been insane but maybe that's why it was so good and then they pulled the fucking ripcord and fucking snoozed you out no they did the third set Dude, read the have, third set we, read the third set all Come right on, read it read it it's contextual first of all because we had wristbands that were hanging on our seats. We didn't know what they were for. We knew they were some part of the New Year's gag. And they played Soul Planet. And as they're playing Soul Planet, they fucking built a fucking mast of a ship on stage. Yeah, the gag was great. 
It was Soul awesome. Planet Gag was fantastic, but that whole third set could have been over. It's Throw a theme away. of ships. Everything people has to do it. with the ships of the ocean. People hated it. Free, Sorry, fish. People hated it. Free, which I love. A song I heard the ocean sing, I saw at Jones Beach in a fucking torrential downpour. I fucking love that song. Right, but um, I didn't, so that song sucks. The MoMA Next Dance, one? which is a dope song. Yeah. It's a rocking, funky song. Eh. Uh, Prince Caspian, which Urgh. is all about sailing. It's your slow song for the set. But this is where it gets kind of bad because it goes right into Waiting in the Velvet Sea, which is understandable. It's the boat theme, Jason, but I hate that song. people were like primed, dude. They were like snorting like lines and lines and lines and lines of coke. And they were like <laughs> fucking right. People were like jumping out of their fucking pants. Yeah. And then you pull the ripcord and you play everything you just said. But don't you think that's because it was the Shit. last? Don't you think it's because it was the last show of the run and they always kind of like lull, lull you, you a little bit? Yeah. I don't know. And the gag was thematic to what they were doing. Like, it's actually really well thought out. No? Is that crazy? I think it's actually awesome. It's one of my favorite gags of all time. And I think my one of my least favorites was the freaking golf carts, the runaway golf cart. And I think I've seen way worse things done. And I thought what they did and how they did it was really fucking cool. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe what would have made you like it a little more is, is if they had just picked their ocean related songs from a list and not have actually like planned it out maybe if you just let them go off the energy and how they felt it would have been a little better for you is what i'm trying to say yeah it was too forced okay i see that i can understand and it was just such a letdown after two powerhouse sets they were powerhouses man but don't you think this is like baseball where it can't always be good all the time sometimes you're gonna to to any one individual might be a lull but to another person it might be still a good game like but my overall point is and i will stick by this is that i feel like fish is honing in on a a a energy level from point a to point b I feel like they're quickly and and more calculatively feeling the audience's vibe and feeding off that and kind of doing really awesome songs that are called for in the moment. They're dialing themselves in. And it's something that I appreciate and I've noticed and I really enjoy about 3.0. I mean, 3. they've 0. been dialing themselves in for like 30 years at this point. I'm, I'm yeah, <laughs> so and that's are you my point. You're, you're, you're they're hitting, my they're point. Hitting a, they're hitting a stride, I think is what you're trying to describe, yes. of how to blend the old and the how new. To give you, and how to give you an ultimate experience. Um, okay. Every fish show I've gone to has been better than the last. And I hope it just keeps going in that direction. I, you saw a lot of fish shows and then went to SPAC. I think it's more, again, like a baseball game. You hit good ones, you hit bad ones, you hit pockets. But there's such thing as going to like, a, I don't know. When, I, when we You're went to SPAC, picky. I was like. You're too picky. I love them unconditionally. Okay. You're too picky. I love <laughs> them unconditionally. I, and again, every show is better than the last show for me, and I'll continue to see them until they keep playing. Agree to disagree. I mean, again, I'm just Sorry. saying when you're doing something in such a, it's to me an accuracy by volume thing. You, They play a lot of shows, and it's something to be very, um, it's, to, uh, it's something to look up to from a musician standpoint. They do a lot. They do a lot of jamming each and every single show. But at the same time, I also accept the fact that not all of them are going to be A pluses, and I'm okay with that. Actually, I am you're okay actually with that. Not. I am. No, you're not. It's what keeps it interesting. You need the valleys to appreciate the peaks is what I'm trying to say here. Like, you need shows that are not so great. And then the shows that keep you coming, it's like, again, it's, and the it's natural is, flow of life. You call shows that are not so great shows that I still love. Okay. So you're incredibly picky. Okay. 
And I've never, I've never been that type of fan and I never will. I will love whatever they give me. Do you That's the difference. Think so as we start going through like getting you more like musically inept and like listening to the things that I listen to when I listen to sets. Do you think that you're still going to be that way when you come out the other side? Do you honestly think you can unhear the things that I've taught you and and get to a point where you're like I still love this for what it is or do you think I'm going to ruin you in the way that I'm nervous that you're going to ruin me about beer? That's the question I pose to you now. I don't think I'll be ruined. Yeah? You think you're going to keep your your love and passion and understanding of what you like about it. Yes. So this has always been a really interesting thing to me because as you acquire this knowledge, I've always been under the assumption that as you gain the knowledge, it changes your lens. And what you're saying is, is that your lens is forever preserved because it's the reason why you like the band. It is at its anchor the reason why you even got into this as fast and as deep down the rabbit hole as you've gotten so far. So I put the rose colored glasses on and I'm aware that I'm seeing it through rose colored glasses, but right. every single show I put the rose colored glasses on. Yeah, I can't do that. That's that's, that's I, a good I'm analogy, jealous, I think. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how I feel. That is how I feel. Because they can be playing the shittiest song of all time and I'm still like looking around being like, I'm so happy I'm here right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean there's no place I would rather be if given the opportunity to go to the fish show. I'd I'd go nowhere else. Um, but again, I think the things that I try to pull out of that and the things that you are so great at articulating about a fish show is that experience. And I think for people who are on the outside of that bubble, it it becomes a game of figuring out how to translate that to them. Again, most people you say, Hey, I see fish. They're like, wow. Like I could never imagine you doing that. I feel like what they're actually trying to articulate is how can you see the same band a bunch of times because of what their understanding of going to a concert is like. So again, right, if you if you right, see anybody right. else, it's like the same music over and over again. It's always the same and it's always whatever. There is no jamming. There is no improvisational aspect to it. And then you have the other side of the spectrum, the people who see improv a lot and they go, oh man, this is like, you know, kind of its own beast to burden so to speak it's like you, you, you there's no like middle ground and like then people go to the show and they see it and they see the formula and they see how it all unfolds before their eyes and i would say 90 percent of the time people are turned on and go holy shit like there's something about this that i don't understand and it's like yeah you you understand that it's going to be like a baseball game different every time same format but <laughs> it's unpredictable I think there's that's truly the essence of it. It's the unpredictableness. Sometimes you get peaks, sometimes you get valleys. I stand by that. It's the bad that are, that makes you appreciate the better. And I get what you're saying. They're all great to you, right? Rose lenses, whatever. It's gotten to a point now for me where, like, when people just say I don't get fish or like I I don't like fish, I just say it's all about the live experience. You'll never get it until you go see a show. Yeah. That's all I say. What do and what do they have to say to that? What, what they like, can't what? dispute it because they've never been to a show, right? But what they so you, again, it's just at the end of the day, I could spend forty five minutes talking to you about fish and tell you why I like them and how I fell in love with them in my journey. But honestly, it's just the fact that I've been to live experiences. The person who's saying they do not like the band has not, and they see them in a very one or two dimensional light. 
right? They just hear the songs. And honestly, like we were, we were in the car the other day. We were listening to music and a huge jam came on and you're like, this is boring to me. I'm not at the show. I'm not in the experience. I'm not enveloped in it. I haven't done everything that's putting me in this awesome place. I'm just hearing this long, drawn out shit that I want to fast forward through. So yeah, yeah. Right? And, and, but, but let me let me really quickly just say that that is true in a car setting when we're jumping into different parts of a set. I think there is something to be appreciated of sitting down critically and trying to listen to a show from top to bottom and put yourself in that space and just randomly listening to live tracks like in a car. I, I Again, I think your mindset is different in how you approach it. Um, it's like when we did the Junta episode and, and like I had to put a creative lens on in order to look at the album. So I think that's why, and this is a really funny topic to bring up, when I go to a bar and I put fish on the jukebox, there's a bit of a <laughs> difference of opinion between you and I as to why it's okay for me to do so and why you're completely embarrassed. So let's talk because about that's that just for the a second. It's ba- <laughs> just the baseline of knowledge. <laughs> It's the baseline of understanding and knowledge of the topic that you're interested in. Okay, but why is that? And that's what it comes down to ultimately. People who do not understand a fish and do not understand the experience will not understand someone from the inside's point of view until they've been to a live experience. Okay. There's nothing that will replicate that. Watching it as a live stream will not replicate that. Listening to live recordings will not replicate that. Listening to studio albums or songs of the versions will not replicate that. There's that nothing so that culty. will replicate. You just got to go. Yeah, there's nothing that will <laughs> replicate the ultimate experience that is their music. It is about the experience. They have a light show. But you're asking. They have music. They have smoke. They have sound. They have things that physically move you. They physically vibrate Don't you. Don't you think. There is a, it is a collective enjoyment of all of your senses trying to get you to a place to just literally let go and enjoy the entire environment you're in right now. Don't you think that that's a lot to ask someone who's never heard them before? Because a lot of people before no. they, so let me just, let me just, yeah, I bet you don't. Let me just paint it this way. A lot of people, when they go to see a show or go see a band, they listen to them first before they go. They actually like get invested and do not, a little not bit of listen, research. listen, but want to know one or two songs, want to know their popular hits. Right. Want to so know they, if it's they worth going know, to. Right. They want to know if it's their style and they want to know if they can go and sing along at least the chorus, like one or two songs. And what you're and saying is. Be a part of it. And I, to, you, to your argument, what you're saying is, is that if people do that and do the research the way they always do, they'll always be turned away from fish because they're not getting the full experience. So you're now asking someone to take a leap and a bound over what they're accustomed to, getting to know a a band or getting to know something before they go see it, and just take the leap and just say, I'm gonna go see it anyway, just because I know that the experience is supposed to be great. But that's the thing. I have friends that ultimately are music heads. And they just want to go see all live music all the time. They appreciate any live music, any live music. And then I have people who read about pop culture, are immersed in popular culture, and go to shows that are like Taylor Swift and Beyonce and things like that. And those are completely different experiences to just wanting to go and appreciate a live musical experience. 
It's like you have the cult fans who are going to see something because they've identified it and they know it and there are expectations. And then you have a group of people and most of my friends who live in New York live in New York because we have such a great live music scene. You can go and just go to any bar, restaurant, club, venue and see rock or pop or jazz or funk or whatever. And those are the people that go out and constantly want to experience stuff like that. So those are my friends, at least, that I can easily convince to come to a fish show with me. If there are people who have very um, preconceived notions of what they think fish is, they don't want to come to a fish show with me. Because they right. have a very elusive, fake, two-dimensional version of fish as being a jam band. And like well, they fish is so much more than a jam band. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. They have to accept that the the like giving up, they're taking a risk at the same time. So that's what I'm saying. It's a huge risk to take because you're not sure if you're gonna like it. The first sh- uh, fish show that I ever went to, first fish show I ever went to, <laughs> I had to take a leap and say, I'm not really digging this music as I'm listening to it, not there. But maybe there's something about the experience of seeing it that will make me like it more. So I had to convince myself that very thing that I think you're trying to describe. You have to find people who care about the fun of going to a show over actually like liking it before you go see it. Correct. And that's a very specific type of person is what I'm trying to say. The psychology of that person is You're totally right. The reason why I went to my first Fish show was not because I heard any music from Fish or wanted to go see Fish or experience that type of music. It's because I knew I was going to hang out with a group of people who were super into what was happening, who were super into drinking beer, hanging out, having a good time and partying. And the show is just the thing that brought all of us together. Right. Knitted everything together. Right. It was, a, it was a shared experience that everybody right. knew they were going to have a great time. Correct. And I think that the reason why <laughs> that, we See, stick, but that defines fish to me. But And, and again, that, yeah, so we're about to say the same thing. I think the reason why people stick to fish is because it's just a good fucking time. And every time we spend the amount of money that we spend, the number of shows that we go to, people can tell us we're crazy. People can tell us, why are you paying $60 for a sweatshirt and waiting in line for three hours for a fucking record that came out on vinyl like 20 years ago? We go, because we fucking love this shit and it's so good. And the only way you'll get it is by coming with us. And it's funny because when we start talking about it to any average person, we say, hey, we're not in a cult, I swear. <laughs> this is just, you just have to understand it. I feel like I'm preaching religion to someone. And like, no one wants to be told that it's great without somehow being able to confirm it. They so need, again, they need like the I said, upfront. they need the upfront. Just say, all you have to say is go experience it live. Take a chance, spend $60 on a ticket to see one show, and I guarantee you, you'll be hooked for life. No, I wouldn't even say that. I'd just be I, like, just I come do. to a show. I'm confident in that. I see. So when I take people to shows, I've taken a couple of people to shows. It's their first show before I'm trying to sell them on fish, just because I know that they like the live experience and they but always see, go kicking already, and screaming. See, but that's already a pre-nomer. I've invited my friends to see fish before, and if I knew they were into jam bands and festivals and live stuff, I knew they would love it, and they right. loved it. Whereas like we were at, I think it was New Year's maybe or one of the Baker's Dozen and J3PO had somebody he brought with him and she was so bored she left five songs into the show. Yeah, I mean. That's the difference. 
I never invite people I don't think you understand what they're going to be experiencing. And yeah. They always end up loving it. But the problem is, is that you're, you're. It's always like baffling to me the people who end up sticking, because sometimes it's not some. It's someone that you expect to just come and you maybe have an extra ticket and you invite them along, and next thing you know they're a fish head just like you. So again, there's something that kind of clicks, and I think the thing that makes it click, and I think the thing that makes it click is that. It, like they get that one diamond in the rough for them. And that's the beauty of the volume of shows that you go to. You finally hit a moment where all the songs in that set list cater to whatever you like about music. I, someone might come to a show that actually doesn't like jamming and they happen to go to a show where it's a one day where generally when fish play like a one day show, like a Tuesday in Camden, which is the one that I think of for me and all the runs that I've done, they jam pack the entire set, first set and second set. So there's like, you know, at least nine, 10 songs each one. And because it's so full, they don't really do a lot more exploratory jamming. So if I get someone who's not a big jam head or doesn't want a song to be longer than eight minutes, they might catch on that show because that's their specific taste. And they end up going to another show later where they do a second set five song and they hate it. And it takes them Wait, shows it, on shows to start appreciating and understanding what it is because that's where they are in their sound palette. And and <laughs> you're proving my point. My original point is that my favorite fish shows of all time are the ones that are like perfectly balanced between like those heavy jam songs that okay. make those people happy and then those throwaway light, easy sing song bouncing, very just crowd-friendly songs. And here's and what those I will say. Are, those around, around, a giant, just complete, total zen circle shape are the shows that I always shoot for. And here's what I will say to you is that I think that that's one way to skin this cat. And I think that uh, a second song, five... Uh, a second set, five song set, and a first uh, set, like nine, ten song set, has pretty much become the standard by trade. So I, I, what I'm saying to you is like theoretically, all the songs or all the sets from recent like 2014 to now 3.0 should win everybody over. So I'm kind of calling bullshit on that, but I think we should get more into why. Uh, anyway. Next time. Can we both agree we love fish? Yes. Yes. <laughs> if we don't, we're doing something wrong here. So I'm going to take us into our short 15-minute break uh, with 12, our 12-30-2017, so the night before New Year's, and it's going to be the brother going into more to So we'll see you shortly after a 15-minute break.
Welcome back to Gaja Brew, guys. Gata Jabru. You kept calling <laughs> Gata Jabru, Gata Jabru, and it's hilarious. And I, know. I love it because I'm such a genius and I thought of this name. <laughs> I, the Lizza, thought of this name. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's get to the brew part of what sure. we're talking about. Let's do it. And I think the topic for conversation is someone uh, went to England and got to go on a little fancy little tour, beer tour of uh, the UK. <laughs> what was it? It was, it was Manchester. Did you end up, uh, you went to York? Where else were you at? Yeah, I flew out of JFK. New York City, yeah. Into Manchester. Immediately, okay. immediately took a train to York, a town about 10, 15 minutes outside of Tadcaster, which is the home of Sam Smith Brewing Company. And uh, so you're saying they're like 15 minutes. So it's 15 minutes from where you landed, but then another 15 minutes. So it's 30 minutes from where you landed. Like you were relatively like close. And what is that? Like central west? Wrong. Uh, Okay. I flew into Manchester. Okay. Then I went to York, okay. which was like about an hour and a half train ride. Then from York to Tadcaster, where Sam Smith Brewing Company is located, it's about a 15 minute drive. So I went to York, Tadcaster, okay. Stamford, and Manchester okay. when I visited the UK. So you were in like a the central, ago. you were like in, because England is really like in the southern middle part of the London UK. is way south. Yeah. I was in Manchester, which is like central. And then, so London is about four hours south of where I was. Edinburgh, which is like pretty much the top, almost like Scotland, mm-hmm. is four hours north. So I was right. in the dead center of England. Right. So let's think about this in, in, in borough terms, in New York City terms that I understand. London is kind of like down by Coney Island because there's a little jut out to the UK. Right. Correct. And it's like down over like closer towards like the Rockaway side of the jut out of the island. Scotland is like the fucking north past the Bronx, yeah, past it's Inwood. It's correct, like correct. Westchester. Correct. So you were kind of like floating around a little bit like maybe in Queens or like, you know, up there that way. If that's you know? how I have to explain it to yourself. Sure. Yeah. That's cool, though. No? Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, the UK as an island is... You yeah, know, I mean, but it seems not... way much bigger. It seems bigger than that, and it seems like um, there's so much more of a history to it. So it seems like everywhere you go, no matter how small of a town... York is very small. It is a very small town. Yeah. But the the, the downtown where there are shops and uh, just... <laughs> everything is Old. has so much history yeah, yeah, it yeah. seems like it belongs there so this is again, and it doesn't seem insignificant I it think, seems very significant i think something that's rare uh really interesting to mention is that this is your first trip abroad right um and i think a very defining factor of going somewhere else than the place that you grew up and are accustomed to for the first time is realizing how young we are as a country. Correct. So there is, you know. And that extends to beer drinking. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on. Like yeah. beer as a culture here compared to there. Oh, the, yeah. And I would I would imagine that now you've gone to a very old, and uh, we're talking about like a, if we wanted to talk about world powers from a political standpoint, the UK is a pretty massive uh, world power in terms of beer. They, you know, the the depth of their of their uh, styles and everything. It, it 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 
plays itself to how old they are in their history. I would yeah, say for, so, I mean, Sam Smith anyway, that's the brewery. I was lucky enough to tour. Um, everything they do is based in tradition and that just mirrors the beer culture in the UK. Yeah. There's the old guy who comes into the pub every single day at the same time or the same pint. Yep. <laughs> and he hangs out there for two hours and looks out the window and watches passerbys. Like it's just so ingrained as part of their culture. Yeah. And it's fantastic because you get to meet all of these crazy people that just hang out in pubs and it's just great. I mean, how does that compare to what you do, you know, um, here? And like you go around and you see the beer culture here. Like I feel like, again, that becomes so immediately apparent because uh, people are kind of just partiers here in beer land. We're like babies. We just go out and we just drink whatever gets us fucked up. We don't care what we're drinking, how we're drinking, why we're drinking. It's just to get drunk. It's like with one did you feel that when you were over there did you no, feel like the old, not at like, all. like not no at one's all. there just to get blasted they're just no people are there uh, on the contrary they're there just to like have a pint and spend a couple hours and have a good time and socialize with the people in the pub yeah that's that, what i'm saying the, drinking there is such a different uh part of their culture it's just what everybody does as part of c- celebration celebratory experience and everybody comes together and everybody has a couple pints and just hangs out and has a good time here. I don't know. It's just different. I think we talked about this. I don't know earlier at some point, but no one in the UK is going into a bar looking for specific beers and rare stuff and, and very particular things. Everyone's just going to their local pub saying, I'm going to have a pint of lager bitter and hang out and have a good time and talk to the old guy at the end of the bar. Who's got stories and all these people coming tourists. Like people just have a good time. They socialize and they sit down, they hang out and have a good time. So unpack that for me a little bit because I had the opportunity a couple years ago to go to, uh, to Munich and you know Munich to me is another powerhouse you know Germany being another powerhouse in the beer world when I would go to these brew pubs or even just bars or whatever they were owned by one specific brewery they had a light beer and a dark beer of that represented it or you know whoever owned if it was a Hofbrau or like whoever it was and people kind of just went in and got these beers and sat there for a couple hours and just sipped on the same thing so that's like so to me the, the dramatic opposite of what we are here now. Like everything has to be exclusive, a collaboration, super sought after, whatever. Did you not feel like you saw like new products hit the market there? You know, you were touring a brewery. I'm sure they showed you stuff that that is, is exclusive to them. Do you not think that would have the same reverberation through the market as it has here? Like, do you think new product there by a new brewery is appreciated? Or do no. you think like people kind of just stick to what they know? Well, so first of all, the difference is that we operate in a three-tier system. Yeah, break that down. The, I, you, I know what you're you talking need, about, but let's talk you, about it. From UK a, does not. Okay. So, so what does that mean? Like if I'm on a three... Okay, so there are suppliers, right. aka breweries, people that produce the beer, right? Mm. Those are the breweries. They produce it. Then there are the middlemen, distributors... Right. People who own warehouse space, collect okay. brands, okay. store those brands, and ship those brands Got to it. specific territories. Uh-huh. And then there are retailers, people who sell those brands. So they're now three right. steps. So I, from the brewer, send it in, to a warehouse. The, the warehouse the gets it placed. In, in the U.S. In, in, correct. The, okay, correct. So distributors are actually very important in the U.S. because they curate certain portfolios. And they're the people who can offer specific brands to a 
restaurant or a retailer, right? They right. offer a complete list of things that they can offer them, not just one or two brands. Because they're storing all this beer, they have the plethora of a portfolio to offer. They they, they kind of can cater it to go to account Correct. To Correct. Got, got it. Got Correct. It. Correct. So in, in the current climate, there are distributors who are very macro heavy. There are people who have Miller, Corona. You know, There are people who cater to that end of the market. And then right. there are distributors who are slowly building a very specific curated specialty portfolio of super small brands, super local, hyper local breweries, people right. that do things like that. So whatever. Anyway, in the UK, that's not a thing. Okay. There is no middleman. And most so, pubs are owned by the suppliers, the right? Right. So, so let me let me make so sure. So Sam I have this. Smith yeah. has like three hundred breweries all over England, and we went to Sam Smith pubs because we were touring Sam Smith. Right. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. So I go to the UK, and I'm in York. York has maybe like forty pubs in it. Of the forty pubs, like. 25 of them are Sam Smith pubs. And when I go into that specific pub, they only serve Sam Smith and they might have what, four styles of beer? Nothing else. If your but pub how, is but, owned by a brewery, all you serve is that brewery's beer. Okay, and I'm, uh, now I'm taking it one step further. When I walk into a Sam Smith, how many styles of Sam Smith do they offer? 25, 30. Oh, okay. That's see now that's the opposite of when I was in Germany because they only offered really like three or four different types of the same brewery in the entire operation. So th- that's but, what I'm. So were about. you going into a brewery or a brew pub? I'm sorry, I'm going into that's a beer hall in, in Munich. I'm going into a beer hall. So what, owned what is by it? Hoffen. A brewery or a brew pub? No, it's a beer. It's neither. It's a beer hall. So they don't brew on premise. It's a bar owned by Hofbrau, and Hofbrau will have right, a light. Right, but Hofbrau in the dark. only does like seven different beers. Right. Sam Smith does but like of, fifty different beers. Uh, but of the seven that Hofbrau offered, they really only have three. So. It's it's like very like again you kind of have to in in Munich bar hop to experience the different types of of Hofbrau that has to like but but they all they own like six or seven breweries within Munich uh, Munich so you have to hop to all six of them to get the entire array of Hofbrau that you can get so the the culture that they're brewing is that you have to jump pop up. You have to go from here to here to here yeah, to get everything yeah, from yeah. one specific person. I guess person. that's so fine. UK is not like that at all, is what you're saying. You go to one uh, pub Pe- and there, you get there's the gamut. no middleman. So breweries directly own bars. So if I'm a brewery, I own a bar. All I'm going to serve in that bar is my beer. Right, but the difference in terms of the marketing and how they do it is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you would know way better uh, better than I do, is that in the UK, if you have an establishment, you want to offer everything that you have to offer since you own that space and you can get your beer in there because you own it, and you want to have all 30 styles of your beer. Right. In Munich, it's actually territorial. They just want to own the most real estate and have the most space, and then take their portfolio and separate it between all of them because the culture is to bar hop and you want to travel from one spot to another. So no, it's similar but different. Yeah, I didn't find that in New York. I didn't find that in Manchester. I didn't find that people bar hop. I found that people just kind of found a place, stuck down, hunkered down, and hung out there for hours. Yeah, so that's, that's the difference. Was. I was going to say that's the, a really interesting point. I think the culture behind german uh, beer consumption is that you have to go to the beer it is the again you and i have talked about this 
for years now of being friends with each other. It's just like that's the culture that we want to imbue in people. Traveling to a location to have the freshest type of beer, they've localized that and ingrained it into their culture so much that even when you're in a really big city center like Munich, you still have to travel around quite a, quite a bit around Munich yeah, to go no, have no, their I, entire portfolio. I'm not saying that Manchester wasn't like that or York wasn't like that. Everybody prides um, having fresh product as close to the source as it's being brewed. Yes, and you're right. I That is where I hope the United States goes, is moving towards. Because in the UK, people have to travel to very specific brew pubs or very specific breweries to get a beer that they want to drink. Right. Because that place, that brewery, only serves it at their local pub or three places down the street from where they are. Right. And that is the best experience you'll ever have of that beer. Speaking about, same thing, tying into fish, how you'll never get it unless you go see it live. You'll never understand the way a brewer intends to serve a beer to you unless it's one or two days old, perfectly served, closest source, pumped right out of their tanks, into your glass, into your face, and you say, damn, I understand what this brewer is shooting for now. And J3PO Never and I, understand it better than that. And, and, you know, an episode ago, J3PO and I argued about that, about how I'm a snob about that type of stuff, where I want it to be the most freshest, amazing thing. So now hearing you say that, there's a lot of validation to what I'm thinking. It's like, you want to get something as close, it, it would be like a chef. You want to have the food hot. You don't want to have it a couple days old. It changes the entire integrity of the dish. Correct. Same type of thing and do you think that the average consumer who's spending those hours at a pub appreciates that or that's just the way it's been and they don't really notice it it's just the the standard that they've grown accustomed to i think they've always gotten beer that's super fresh because people don't seek out things outside of what they know right so if you're going to a sam smith pub you know you're gonna get one of 30 different sam smith beers but you know all of them are gonna be coming from two miles down the street Right. So all of them are going to be fresh and all of them are going to be good. It's just a matter of what your palate and your style of beer is. So let me expand this question to you. If I was in York and then all of a sudden won a trip to New York City and went to your standard midtown bar, as we're sometimes forced to do, how would I feel if I ordered a pint of beer? From the said, like you know, general like sporty t- like type, like you know, mid forties midtown Manhattan bar. Like would I would I notice and be upset, or would I be like, uh, I don't know. Like uh, uh, how ingrained uh, this is. Uh, what I'm trying to get at with you is like how into their culture do you think they realize, or have they just grown so accustomed to they did they don't appreciate what they have because you came from the the opposite people like, tried their people there try to drink as local of a beer as they can so it's funny and i have seen this i've experienced this firsthand a lot of europeans who come to new york or walk into a bar walk into an establishment and they ask what local beers they have right because that is the precedence and that is the tradition and that is the mentality that is driven into people who live abroad right is get the freshest beer the closest beer to where the being brewed locally to here, where can I get it? What is it? I want a pint of that. Right. So people who come here search for the local product here. Right. Now that's funny to and me. And that's fun. It that's, is it's, funny it's, because it's, people that's only who, a new thing here. But people who buy beer in the beer industry think that tourists who come here from Italy want Peroni and Moretti. Is they that think, not true? They think people who come from Amsterdam want Heineken. Is that not think, true? It's not true. It's it not. absolutely not true. Okay. It's what, interesting. When they come here, it's what they think our normal culture is. 
Right. And it's not. And so I'm trying to say that most people want to experience the local scene here. So what you really should be having to offer is your really pocket, super small breweries. Now, here's Hyper-local. A, here's, here's an, inter- an interesting question for you. If I come from Italy, where obviously a lot of the beers are lagers. You don't drink beer if you're Pilsners. coming from Italy. You're right. But if I do drink beer in Italy, it's a lager or a Pilsner. And if, <laughs> if I come to the United States and I'm traveling and I want to have local stuff, do I want to drink a lager or a Pilsner that's brewed locally? Because then I'm just going to compare it to the old brewery that's been doing it forever. Is that an unfair? No. Con- so, so you either want something that is local to New York or you want something on a, me- on a menu you see is from Italy. And my point is the offering you could have on your menu from Italy could be a high end awesome super crafty beer from italy because you can't get that over there but you're you were saying before because of the two-tier system macro longer older breweries kind of have the power there i thought the whole point of a two-tier and a three-tier system is that a three-tier system allows the little guy a chance at the table and if they have a good enough product they can kind of butt in and hang out with the big guys correct but if you're in if you're in a two-tier system and you're saying that like people have access to buying out their competitors and only putting their product in there doesn't that mean finding the craftier smaller more interesting breweries is actually really difficult when you go abroad and that's why i would think that like this wave of you know the united states spring together all these breweries out of nowhere and doing smaller craftier things is kind of catching wave back in europe and sending a a, 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 almost like a reverberation through there is because people are like wait a second we can do things that are not macro and stupid or whatever and we can kind of nudge our way back in because again where i'm going with this is that you went to Cloudwater. so for the most part any major city there is like a major city here Mm. every bar you go into if it's not a craft beer bar has Carlsberg, right. one beer. Carlsberg, you know, very basic lager, Pilsner, something very macro, right? Right. And then, honestly, if you go in, and not even bars there, it's like you, I had to go to Cloudwater to get Cloudwater. Right. a lot of bars don't serve Cloudwater. But tell me about that Every experience. Every bar you go to is like Carlsberg. Right, but tell me about that macro. experience. So were people going to, to Cloudwater being like, whoa, this is some really awesome new shit that our palates are so fatigued by the shit that we've been drinking on, on occasion in every pub we go to all the time that this is brand new and it's people, interesting and people it's like crazy. People who went to Cloudwater when I was there were seeking it out. Same thing as here. Mm. Who goes to the other half? People who are seeking it out. Okay. It's the same thing. So it wasn't new and I go to, interesting. I go to a fucking sports bar in Times Square. I'm going to get Bud, Bud Light, Amstel, Miller, Peroni, Stella, Hogarden, Leff. Right. Same thing there. You go to a bar in their downtown commercial whatever area. Right. You're going to get Carlsberg. <laughs> yeah. Because right. that's what they serve there. Carlsberg. Yeah. Right. So that's their macro thing. So you really, you, again, same thing as here, same thing as there. You have to search and hunt down further, deeper, dig a little deeper into the more macro specialized companies that are making this really cool beer. So in the same trip that I went to Munich, I also went to Prague. And when I went to Prague, what I found is that um, at least in the center of Prague, they don't really have an appreciation for craft beer yet. I actually had to like drive and get a car like to go out of central Prague and go out to the outskirts. And it was like a 30 minute drive to go to this one uh, 
let's call it like a craft bar and they had like nine different local prog craft beers and it was very empty people are not really into it because they rather go to a pilsner arkel fucking brewery in downtown so again the culture's not there for it yet but everybody who was in the space the same time that i was was flipping out because we were getting such weird and cool stuff because it wasn't the mainstream thing so while i understand what you're saying like people seeking it out the percentage of people who want to seek it out are so crazy for it because they're so bored like the consumption is different it's you get you're kind of breeding these like super beer dorks basically who are just like we're so used to the same old thing and our country has been drinking the same old thing for fucking ever since like the 1600s that this new wave that's why i kind of would have expected cloud water to be popping off for people who are just like let's support local let's support going to the location and let's support something new because they're basically making new england ipas are they not is that not what you saw mostly while you were there so that's just hitting over there and that's where cloud water is really hitting it out of the park Mm. is being placed in these high-end farm to table super fresh local ingredient hyper this that those are the real places are going to have that's their wheelhouse right yeah okay but every other place 90 percent of the places that are bars are still going to be serving your macro stuff yeah i would expect same that. thing is here that's what i'm saying there's they it's own funny their because space. it seems like there's space. a difference but there really is no difference uh, okay you have to seek out what you want over there same as here but so the places that you went that actually sought out that difference were their menus that more eclectic and like well-rounded or were no. they still pretty like one they just knew them really well yeah, so the, the so choice the, wasn't more. It's just they were more informed about what they were serving So if you. I'm cloud, walk, uh, cloud water and you're, I'm walking into a standard place in the UK, how how much of their product placement did you see? Like they like this place None. was owned by someone? Cloudwater was only at the tasting room that I went to. That's it. But that's incredible. I mean, they, they have enough draw that they're staying open and, you know, they can do what they're doing. So you're, you're 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 stating that they were able to pull off what they were pulling off. I'm saying that I think the UK is experiencing what the United States did just like way after the fact. Yeah, okay. And it's the same as here. You can still go there and and find these cute little pocket local breweries, but those are never going to be as popular as when you go to the local pub they're going to have Carlsberg. And what I'm saying to you is that it sounds to me by the way they have this two-tier system is that you're saying that it's harder for me to butt in because my product has to be so good that people have to be willing to travel to my space to get it. Correct. And it's the only way that they're going to get it. Correct. But that's the way it should be experienced. I I don't disagree, but it makes it very hard for the startup business because you have to compete with these big ass guys that own 90% of the territory. And really, when you're talking about getting into the market, you're talking about putting up a brick and mortar space so that people can come drink your beer at your own spot. And that's really hard to do for a small business. So in a sense, what you're telling me is that the three-tier system is really more advantageous for us here because you'll have someone who has an eclectic portfolio say, you know what? I might have stuff from, you know, these big house, like, you know, places like Allagash or like, you know, Bells or Victory, these bigger craft breweries that are doing things really well. But I also have this smaller place that only makes their beer on like, you know, a five uh, barrel system. And they're also really fucking good and you should try them and people are more willing to do so because shit's popping off here 
faster than fucking fireworks can fucking go off. Like it seems like there's a new brewery here every day. But people are still willing to do that and say, you know what? It's from New York and it's from here. It's from one of the five boroughs. I'm willing to try it. Then they would be to be like, hey, you know what? I actually have to go 20 minutes outside of fucking York to go to this one spot where they happen to have this brewery. And I have to be able to, you know, understand that it's going to be good and worth the trip. That's a massive difference from a com- consumer standpoint. A lot more burden. How many people do you know who are very into beer travel for beer? None. Almost none. Okay. See, I think that's a dumb answer because I would say everyone I know who's into beer travels for beer. Ah. And that's part of the culture. I would say. And that's what I hope continues to be the trend here and abroad. I think that's, a again, a very. In, in the realm in which that you deal with people, I, I'm not surprised. But for me, who hangs out with a bunch of, you know, bros and people who are just trying to get drunk and like nerds. your average, like not nerds, the opposite. I don't hang out Suits. with people who like to drink like beer, like beer nerds. I hang out with the average consumer. I just feel like everybody's just like, how do I either get fucked up for bang for my buck or how do I drink something that's not intrusive, uh, intrusive enough that I drink a shit ton of it? I hang out with one or the other. So I'm the outlier here where I'm in the middle where I'm like, hey, I'll only drink something if it's like two weeks old. And if it's not two weeks old, I won't drink it. And they're like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm the outlier in that standpoint. But I, I think that's really interesting. But I think that will eventually become the norm. I hope so. hopefully the point. Yeah, I hope For so. For people who care about beer and are very passionate about beer, they want it to be something that is accepted into popular culture and they want people to appreciate it for what it is. Freshest, yeah. most local, awesome product. I agree. I want Treat that Treat beer too. like food. Yes, I agree. Fresher you drink it and eat it, fresher it is. I 100% agreed, and that's why I stand by my point to J3PO last episode, and I say, you know what? Fuck you for thinking I'm bougie. If I don't want to drink an IPA past six months, go fuck yourself. That's the way it should be drank. It is. Beer is food. <laughs> beer start is cha- food. Start changing those ideologies. Start yeah. changing fresh, people's mentalities out fresh, there. Fresh. Drink it fresh. Cool. Drink it local. Do great things. Keep it simple, stupid. Kiss principle. <laughs> well, cool. that- I, I hope you guys join us for next episode when we actually taste some of the beers I brought back from Manchester. Yeah. That'll be fun. Cloud water. I got a yes. couple of gems awesome. coming down. So that'll be great. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Gotta Brew. I am the Lizza. And I am the kid, and we are taking you out on the fluff head from December 31st, 2017. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Bye.